participants completed a survey inquiring about whether they use emojis, and if so, why. They were also asked several questions about their current sex and dating life. So I don't think they necessarily made the connection of specifically using emoji on a dating app or to okay, get just dates. In general. It's just they seem to found a correlation you between do it or not. <laughs> use more emojis, you get more sex. That's the transaction. Welcome to the Multi-Amory Podcast. I'm Jace. I'm Emily. And I'm Dedeker. We believe in looking to the future of relationships, not maintaining the status quo of the past. So whether you're monogamous, polyamorous, swinging, casually dating, or if you just do relationships differently, we see you and we're here for you. On this episode of the Multi-Amory Podcast, we're talking about nonverbal communication. How much of a factor are the nonverbal cues that we give to our partners and friends when we communicate? Does the raise of an eyebrow, the clench of a fist, or a glazed-over look really affect our communication? And how many of us are even truly aware of the kinds of nonverbal cues that we send out into the world? This week, we're going to be talking about nonverbal communication, how to become more aware of the cues we're giving, and what actionable tools there are out there to improve our nonverbal communication skills. So, first off, what the heck do we even mean when we're talking about nonverbal communication? I think, like, probably things come to people's mind, but we'll just give you all a definition. This one is from Indeed.com. And it says that nonverbal communication is the transfer of information through the use of body language, including eye contact, facial expressions, gestures, and more. I I think that nonverbal communication as a concept has definitely been in the pop psychology zeitgeist Mm. for a while. And we probably have Albert Morabian to thank for that, uh, a researcher of body language and a professor emeritus of psychology at UCLA. And he first broke down the components of a face-to-face conversation back in 1967. And in studying that, he found that communication is about 55% nonverbal, 38% vocal, and 7% words only. And Moravian studies were meant to compare facial and vocal components in order to decipher a person's attitude. So that wasn't even initially what he was trying to study. And people will often misinterpret the findings by, I mean, I think we've all heard the statement that, oh, 90% of all communication is nonverbal. But his findings actually demonstrated that in face-to-face conversations, nonverbal cues such as body language and tone of voice have just a much more significant impact on how others interpret your words and whether or not a listener responds well to what the speaker is saying. Yeah, I've also heard that phrased as that there's a lot of importance in how you say a thing, not just what you're saying. And Mm -hmm. his studies are also important because they posit that in order for people to respond well to what you say, these three elements of communication, so the verbal, the words you're using, the nonverbal, your body language and facial expressions, and then the vocal in terms of how you, you know, what your intonation is and your tone of voice, that all of those need to be congruent. and. I haven't used this word in a while, but I went through a phase where I was talking about congruency all the time. And really? <laughs> essentially, it means... Oh, yeah, he loved a congruency. Yeah, no, yeah. like years ago on this podcast, I talked about congruency all the time. 
basically... Sounds like something you'd do. Yeah, it does. Uh, basically, it just means that they are in line with each other, that they sort of agree with each other, that the words you're saying match the tone of voice that you're saying, and that matches your body language at the same time. And if these are not congruent with each other, the listener is more likely to dislike the speaker. And I think this is important to note because it goes against that idea of, you know, that that most of the communication is nonverbal. It's like, well, it's not just like, oh, if you have a nice expression, people are going to like you. It's that that has to line up. That you could even yeah, if you have a nice expression and you're saying something shitty, then that's not going to fly, really. <laughs> right. And I, what I, I they they didn't say this specifically, but what I think is probably the case is that even if you were to say something a little less nice, but all of your body language and your tone of voice all lined up, that the person would still react more positively or at least more appropriately to that than this weird incongruency of like. They said it in this really sweet tone of voice, but they said a horrible thing. Or they said something that sounds, you know, critical, but they were like smiling while they did it. And that just felt like that makes it feel like nasty serial killer kind of stuff, right? Dolores Umbridge. I mean, I wasn't going to take it to serial killer, but I was going to suppose that maybe that's why passive aggressiveness is such a bummer. Yeah, well put. It is such a bummer. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it, what about it? What do you mean by passive aggressiveness? Like it, what congruency has to occur in order for that to feel bummery? I mean, incongruency is more yeah. like like the example that Jace gave of someone saying something really mean or really critical to you, but in a very sweet, kind, maybe even passive, smiley yeah. way, Got you it. know, that that immediately reads as passive aggressive, right? Mm hmm. And, and I, I see what you mean, yeah. Immediately reads as disingenuine, not necessarily that their words are disingenuine, but that their whole being is disingenuine right. in that. Yeah, I, I, I... People laugh at me a lot because I feel like my tone of voice is so deadpan that, like, I'll say something and people will just, like, crack up, even though it's not meant to be funny, because they're like, wow, you just sound, like, so deadpan. And you, yeah, I don't know, it's like the Aubrey Plaza effect or something. I'm not sure, but, I mean, I, if I could compare myself to her, she's amazing. But, <laughs> but yeah, that, it, that's an interesting thing to think about, is that all of those things need to be congruent. And I feel like I have to work really hard in social situations to, like, try to up my like sweetness game honestly because otherwise people will be like she's a bitch or something yeah well okay well this is starting to get into many many first of all on the one hand this starts to get into what makes for comedy which is another factor of actually comedy often comes from something unexpected right right Mm -hmm. you know we see a particular affect or a particular appearance and we expect your tone of voice to be something and then it's yeah. different and then that's funny that's so that's slightly different and then there's also the fact that you're a woman that also mm-hmm. influences that right as well where yeah. like you being deadpan or maybe less sweet than people would like you to be is more likely to make people think that you're not a nice person perhaps more so than a man yeah yeah that makes sense all right. There's there's a lot of factors. So so I mean, the next the next heading we have written here on our notes is why is it important to talk about nonverbal communication? And I feel like we've just unintentionally All illustrated of several of those things. Yeah. 
So we're going to start here by looking at a study called The Effect of Nonverbal Cues on Relationship Formation by Igor Kotliar. I don't know if that's how you say his name, but I think it sounds cool. The study was published in Computers in Human Behavior in May 2013. And the study essentially asks a question that many of us probably worry about when we're on dates or dating apps or when we communicate online in social media groups, Slack, Discord, whatever. And it asked, does the lack of nonverbal cues on dating apps or online communication hinder communication and relationship development? I love this study. It's so funny and amazing. <laughs> Let's talk about it. So essentially, this study created four different versions of a chat system. So certain chats have like a higher availability of nonverbal cues. There were 847 participants that did this study, and they were randomly assigned to a different version of the chat system to talk to one another. And it's basically like in what ascending order of the ability to have like more nonverbal cues versus less nonverbal cues. So the first basic type that you could get assigned to was just a simple text-based chat that also accompanied a profile picture of each person, which is kind of exactly what like Tinder or whatever has right now, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, it's like yeah. you get pictures and then just text and that's about it. Yeah. And then the next version is a static avatar chat. So a text-based chat accompanied by a still image of two photorealistic characters sitting in close proximity to one another. And they mimic like this date setting. And the characters were positioned in such a way that they were kind of looking at each other in conversation. Now, hang so, on. Let me just wrap my head around this. <laughs> so yeah. while you're chatting, you have this image of two 3D rendered avatars quote yeah. photorealistic which we've seen some pictures <laughs> are you photorealistic like that's yeah yeah that's Imagine really giving life. it a lot in 2013 <laughs> very, photorealistic even it for, feels yeah. very second life even yeah. for 2013 yeah. this looks i'm sh i mean whatever looks a little studies rough. don't always get the most funding right, so that's true i'm but, not gonna criticize them too hard for it but okay let's so so basically while you're chatting you're seeing this image of these two avatars on screen you're kind of over the shoulder of one of them, and the two of them are looking at each other, but they don't move, yeah. they don't emote, nothing, right? That's Yeah, it's that's just static, okay. exactly. Okay. okay, so the next one is responsive avatar chat. So you have those same characters just sitting there, but they're acting out some of the words in the text chat, including like laughing or smiling or nodding. And the characters acted out user-triggered emoticon messages. So like a smile or a wink or a laugh, sad, shocked, eye roll, whatever, things like that, which were controllable by either entering, you know, common text inputs or LOL or clicking the emoticon buttons on the menu. So <laughs> this is funny. But background items such as cars or passerbys moved in order to mimic reality. <laughs> Quite a random detail. Okay, so they're trying to create like <laughs> this little thing so, so funny. And Okay, uh... so it's like as I'm chatting to this other real life human that I can't actually see. But you see like emoticons. Little, yeah, our little avatars as I hit an emoji or I say LOL, then our avatars in this little fake scene will act that out a little bit. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. With each other. Okay. Yeah. And there's cars in the background. <laughs> yeah. And there's <laughs> cars and other people walking by <laughs> right. in their like 3D rendered like beep boop beep boop thing. Okay. Yeah. 
Okay, and then the final one is the active avatar chat. So this version was identical to the responsive avatar chat, with one exception. The users had the ability to communicate the romantic interest in the other person by sending clear nonverbal signals through the following avatar actions. They were flirt, touch hand, blow kiss, touch base, and kiss. It's like The Sims. It is. It totally is. I love it so much. These five actions were designed to indicate various levels of interest in the other person, and users could activate these actions by a click of a button on a menu, and their avatar instantly acted out that particular gesture. I Hi, love this gosh, so much. To be a fly on the wall for some of these interactions. Yeah. No, I know. Well, to be a digital fly thing. in that space where I could choose to buzz around someone's head. Exactly. It would make <laughs> it watch more how authentic. It was all going down. <laughs> Yeah. So, okay. After all of this was done, after the interactions, participants were given a survey in order to assess the level of interest and desire to pursue a romantic relationship with the person they chatted with, as well as their perceptions of the other person and the amount or quality of information sharing. So, as funny as this is, it's also super fascinating, I think, at the same time. I, I'm actually really excited about the stuff that they found. So, first, they found that the, commu- the tools that provided a greater variety of nonverbal cues correlated with better perceptions of the other person, with greater information disclosure, and also a higher level of interest in developing a, re- a relationship. And the type of the chat specifically didn't impact participants' confidence in the accuracy of their responses. So as we get more, you know, nonverbal cues, it seems like people are just more interested in engaging and in connecting. So the users of the static avatar chat, so as in it had the still images that's, that was like the date scene, it conveys physical proximity, it conveys that the two people are looking at each other, but they don't get much other than that. The people who got that reported substantially better perceptions of each other, as well as greater information disclosure and an enhanced desire to meet in real life as compared to the users of the, the super simple chat, you know, just text-based chat and the profile picture. But the people who had the active avatar chat, so like the Sims style, I can choose to touch your face if I want. <laughs> and kiss you. Or kiss you or blow kiss you. Those users reported even better perceptions and disclosure and desired to form a relationship than users of the static avatar chat. Even better perceptions. Okay. And even more so. Yes. So it just kept... So like yes. the, the most significant more, jump more better. was from text only. So the only. weirder it got, <laughs> yeah. the weirder it got, the better or people actually did. the better people connected. The more like The Sims it became, the more people were yes. into it. And really, the study yes. showed that everyone loved The Sims. I think that's... <laughs> so yeah, so what they found was that the availability of nonverbal cues enhanced the experience for both men and women. This was almost certainly a heterosexual-only study, like so many are. But according to this study, the men and women had an enhanced experience, but for different reasons. They found that men's perceptions were positively affected by the presence of still images, while women's perceptions were not. And women's perceptions were positively affected by the presence of avatar movements, gestures, and facial expressions that accompanied text messages. And of course, as we said before this runs into the problem of being heteronormative and lacking nuance for anyone who's not alloromantic, cisgender, heterosexual. But 
it is yeah. still... Who knows what their findings may have been if they... Right. Yeah, I, I know. That. Right. I mean, everybody loves The Sims, so yeah. similar maybe <laughs> right. in that regard, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, I do, but it is interesting, though, because in hearing the setup of this study, I wasn't even sure that that would... Like, how significant that finding would be. But the fact that even just, like, that little bit of fake nonverbal cues made a difference in sort of, I guess, like the realness that you perceive in that other person. Mm. I mean, it makes sense, though, because there are these weird parts of our brain that just like can't tell the difference between looking at an image and experiencing it in reality. And so, yeah, you talk about that a lot. Yeah, we're just seeing a picture of two people looking at each other and that trips something in your brain to have that like that synapsis of like, okay, looking at each other, that sensation of looking at another person. And Isn't that why like you that, send selfies like to your partners when you're on other sides of the world? Yes. You know, it's like it tips that needle somewhere in your subconscious to feel more likely perhaps the way that you would feel if you're actually looking someone in the eyes of maybe I'm more likely to open up or be interested or to lean in or to disclose information that I wouldn't otherwise. It's super fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. And I I just had a question for the group, like back when we were actually dating people out there. Yeah, when it came to online dating, do we recall any difficulty not being able to actually like see a new person and engage what they were thinking or feeling through online messaging? I know personally, I definitely did. And it was very frustrating at times, like not really knowing, you know, is this person going, what do they actually think of me? Or am I going to get to go on a date with them? And then feeling really frustrated if I was ghosted or something along those lines. Yeah, it's it's funny. I'm I'm going to answer a slightly different question than you asked. But this is something that really jumps out to me as being a huge cultural shift, I think, in the way that we communicate through text chat. Mm. And this is that I remember when I was a freshman in college in like 2001 that... God. What? Yes. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. That that I remember having a lot of conflict with with my girlfriend my freshman year, and that this was like a not uncommon thing just in general over misreading tone in in AOL Instant Messenger messages specifically. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And well, yeah, and that happens now, and, and it does happen, but I think it happens way less. I think it can still mm. happen, but I think it happens a lot less. And I think that part of that is how common emoji Emojis? are in our communications. And even before mm. that, using emoticons, you know, that, you know, you construct with colons and dashes and parentheses and stuff. Even that was like a step in that direction. And I feel like emoji and even I would even argue adding like gifts to communication and images and stickers. And it's like we our chat apps keep adding more ways for us to communicate outside of just the words. And I think that is really important because you're kind of helping get more of that tone. So, Well, the so, Kinsey yeah, Institute found, I, yeah, I remember there was a study that, uh, like, gosh, I think was published a couple of years ago from the Kinsey Institute that found that people who use more emojis are more likely to go on dates and also have more sex. Wait, I'm wow. sorry, using and them in would... their dating apps or just use them, period? It just says here that participants completed a survey inquiring about whether they use emojis, and if so, why. They were also asked several questions about their current sex and dating life. So I don't think they necessarily made the connection of specifically using emoji on a dating app or to okay, get just dates. In general. It's just they seem to found a correlation between... Do you do it or not? <laughs> use more emojis, you get more sex. 
That's get the laid more. And now maybe cool. that ties back to this study we were just talking about of like you're adding in more nonverbal cues, even that little bit, yes. right? Like the fact that static avatars increase people's interest, maybe emoji does a similar thing. Yeah, that's really fascinating. Well, I I know personally, I would like to see more what other people are like doing and feeling because I think online and Facebook groups or whatever, there is that really challenging thing of like tonality or, you know, the way in which you say something or what you mean behind it, that's all lost. And so when you have a little bit more of an idea of what a person's nonverbal cues are, like where they're at in that particular moment, then you can better assume what they mean fully. That leads me to wonder, I start to think outside of the dating sphere, would something like this help with online communication and conflict in general? Like if we're all on a Facebook thread and instead of us just looking at text and profile pictures, it was like, we're looking at maybe a fake image of all of us in a room looking at each other. Oh, that's cute. I like that. Would that influence how nasty you were or not? (laughs) Uh, I think I it might. It, it, it personalizes it to a degree. Right. Again, like that little bit of your brain that's tricked into thinking, mm-hmm. oh, I'm actually in a room with people. And so that changes my filters or lack thereof. Okay. Yeah, that's a really good point. Okay, I've got it. Okay, I've got it. If someone out there is going to make this app, just like give like a thanks to me or something in the credits for <laughs> Definitely. it. Definitely. Definitely. So you know how in a, like dating sim games or sort of like text text-based sort of choice-based games there's usually like the avatar and then the text box next to them if you did like that but in your messages where you have like several different versions of your avatar you've got the like me smiling and the me making a funny face and then the me like kind of frowning or the me looking angry and that you can kind of switch between those as you're chatting and it shows up alongside your messages in like you know maybe a pixel art style like you're in one of those games so that then you can sort of convey some feelings along with it I remember back in the day, Microsoft had a chat app. I'm talking way, way, way back in the day where there was like chat rooms, right? And that was our main way of socializing on the internet was sketchy chat rooms. (laughs) But they had a chat room app that basically in the room, as you were talking to people, you could kind of do that. You could essentially change the look on your avatar space or the post Mm. that they were in. And the chat would essentially populate almost like a comic strip. Oh, wow. Mm, That's cute. I love that. Yes, which I think is a wild idea. Obviously, it didn't really take off, but... It's a cool idea, though. Yeah, Yeah, but... I I mean, I don't know if anyone's studying if that helps people be nicer to each other or not. Right. All the tech developers out there, let's think about it and get back to us. Yeah, get in touch. But let's move on. Yeah, indeed. Let's move on now to another study, which uh, talks about sex. Something we don't talk about that much on the show, but no, uh, it might seem self-explanatory, but nonverbal communication can be really important during sex and during any sort of like sexual encounter you might be having. So there was a study published in August of 2012 by Elizabeth A. Babin, which was called An Examination of Predictors of Nonverbal and Verbal Communication of Pleasure During Sex and Sexual Satisfaction. So this study examined the relationship between sexual communication apprehension, sexual self-esteem, nonverbal and verbal communication, and sexual satisfaction. Essentially, sexual communication apprehension is defined as 
fear or anxiety talking to a sexual partner about sex. I think we've all been there. Yeah. Something a lot of people experience at one point or another. Sexual self-esteem is defined as an individual's sense of self as a sexual being. So the value that one might place on their sexuality, like how important that is to them or or how cool they think they are as a sexual human. I don't know. Right. <laughs> how sexually cool they thought they were. Yeah, totally. So this study had a sample size of 207 participants. It was a mix of undergraduates and folks recruited through, quote, social networking site doesn't say which one (laughs) (laughs) but i'm pretty sure we know which one can only imagine i can appreciate they tried to mix it up so it's not just undergraduates that is true i do appreciate that yeah i wonder well if it was in 2012 maybe it's myspace did myspace exist exist then maybe yeah yeah were the most sexually cool people on myspace in 2012 (laughs) maybe i don't know (laughs) Oh my gosh. All anyway, right. so the the mean age was 29, mostly white and 86% heterosexual identifying. So again, big caveat for that, like so many studies. Participants were given statements to respond to on a six-point scale from strongly agree to strongly disagree. You all know the one. And these statements were about their perceived behavior with a partner during sex. And so they found that a higher sense of sexual communication apprehension correlated with lower nonverbal and verbal communication of pleasure during sex. So to put it in layman's terms, the more fear and anxiety that you feel about communicating with a partner about sex at all correlates in some particular direction, they don't know which one, with also not communicating pleasure during sex, whether that's verbal or nonverbal. And then they also found that a higher sexual self-esteem, or as we've decided to call it, higher sexual coolness, <laughs> correlated, did correlate with a higher level of nonverbal and verbal communication of pleasure during sex. So the higher your self-esteem, there is a correlation there with, I guess, having more ease with communicating both verbally and non-verbally during sex. And again, one of those could inform the other. We don't know what the, um, you know, what the direction is, but there is a correlation. Now, However, verbal communication was not necessarily a significant predictor of sexual satisfaction. So even if someone was a high verbal communicator, it didn't necessarily mean that the sex was going to be good or they were going to find the sex good. So the author of the study called for more studies on the significance of specifically nonverbal communication during sex for clinicians and researchers, and also recommended that people be more attuned to nonverbal cues to assess their partner's sexual satisfaction. Now, that is true. It Again, now I do find this fascinating and interesting, and some of it makes a lot of sense. I do think that it does start to get into, again, bigger questions, because I think that especially since 2012, we've had a lot of big cultural questions come up, like, for instance, do nonverbal cues of pleasure indicate consent, Hmm. as an example? You know, if my partner is giving me particular nonverbal cues that they're experiencing pleasure, does that mean they're actually experiencing pleasure? Something that our researcher Keanu brought up is the fact that also nonverbal cues during sex is very different and very gendered in what's expected of one person over the other. So, for instance, a lot of women are socialized to to give a lot of nonverbal cues, Mm -hmm. not necessarily because they're feeling pleasure, but mostly because that communicates to their male partner often that they're doing a good job. 
or they're trying to protect their male partner's ego. This is something that has also been studied. And then on the other side is a lot of men who are socialized to not necessarily give a lot of nonverbal cues during sex. And so the suggestion of being attuned to nonverbal cues is not wrong, but it, I think it doesn't necessarily give the whole story of what's actually going on when it comes I, to sex. I didn't even think about that. Is that something that you would say that men are like socialized to not really do much during or like talk or like give nonverbal cues during sex. That's interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if you think about okay. like, like socially, how much more we associate making pleasure noises with women and we don't really with men. It's a really good right? point. That that's just, yeah, you hear that in porn all the, right. all over the yeah, damn place. Don't even think about yeah. it. And it extends to even more than that. Also just like words that you're, saying you know like the actual verbal communication as well as the nonverbal things like noises i think as well as it even extends to you know body language and facial expressions and stuff like that that it's yeah that we're we're very much culturally taught without ever being explicitly taught that these are how we should behave and i do think that can have a, a negative effect on both sides in terms of how effective mm -hmm. that communication actually ends up being I think especially because a lot of women are also taught that like their sense of sexuality and pleasure is tied to performing, right? Mm -hmm. To visually performing during mm -hmm. sex. And so yeah. even, you know, I, I know a lot of women really struggle with, they may be experiencing a lot of pleasure, but then sometimes needing to also perform the fact that they're experiencing pleasure gets in the way of actually feeling that pleasure. Mm -hmm. And sometimes giving people permission to tone down that sense of having to perform can actually make it a little bit easier to access pleasure. Like there's a lot of different sticky bits here. Yep, for sure. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, this has been great so far and we have more for all y'all out there. We're going to talk about what happens if you're not aware of the nonverbal communication patterns you've been given out to the world. We're going to give some practical tools and advice for helping to get your nonverbal communication better. But before we go on to that, we are going to discuss some ways that you can help us keep the show coming to all y'all for free. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For a long time now, we've been fans of AdamandEve.com for getting sex toys or lingerie or accessories, things like that. It's just a fantastic resource with a huge selection. And now, not only do we have a fantastic offer, but we also have a promo code that will work on AdamMail.com and Eve'sToys.com, which are their site specifically for LGBTQ audiences. And our code is fantastic. It's 50% off of almost any item in the store, and free discreet shipping when you use our code MULTI. Yes, we love adamandeve.com and have for years. They are our oldest and longest sponsor, and they just keep on giving great gifts to us and to our listeners. You can bring more pleasure and satisfaction into your bedroom by going to adamandeve.com, adammail.com, or evestoys.com and select any one item. It can be you know, an adventurous new toy, 
or anything you desire, something fun, something sexy, whatever sounds good. So just enter offer code MULTI at checkout and you'll get 50% off almost any item plus free shipping. That's MULTI, M-U-L-T-I at adamandeve.com, adammail.com or evestoys.com. This is an exclusive offer that is specific to this podcast and it's better than any offer that is currently available on their site. So again, use code MULTI to get you not just the 50% discount, but also the 100% free shipping code M-U-L-T-I. And we're back. So what happens if you're out there, you're having a good day, and you know what you're talking to someone and then they you just give met you someone like, great you met just a great yeah. avatar <laughs> yeah you met a great avatar casters eye in the background cars even moved yeah, in the background you were blowing kisses touching faces <laughs> but you know somehow your what you're saying does not align with the nonverbal communication that you're giving out to the world like what happens if that occurs oh, so yeah, I know it's tough. But it, it, I'm I'm thinking about this also as myself and what I do give out into the world and what I like see coming towards me in the world sometimes as well. Because you know when when you see someone walking towards you, you have to sort of instantly decipher dozens of cues about their motivation, their mood, their reasons for coming near us, especially. I mean, personally, like I am a small woman living in this world. And if a man is walking towards me, I have to assess constantly, like, is this person a threat in some way? So, you know, all of that happens through nonverbal communication. And even if it's somebody that you know really well, their actions might be speaking way louder than words. They might be telling you hello or that they're really happy, really happy to see you with their voice. But the nonverbal communication that they're giving off might be saying something completely different. And that may cause anxiety. That may cause a bunch of things to happen to that person just because you're seeing these conflicting, non-congruent social cues that are throwing, being thrown your way. So, okay. When I looked up nonverbal communication, there were like a million articles out there that were all about the eight types of nonverbal communication and the six types and the 10 types and the whatever. I'm like, come on, everyone, just like pick, pick a number, pick a number of types. And stay in your lane. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, I found that to be interesting. There's, there's really not like a set number of nonverbal communication types out there, but for the purposes of this episode, we found seven. Yeah, so we're going to go through these seven different types of nonverbal cues as we've laid out. Obviously, this is not an exhaustive list. There seems to be some controversy and some disagreement about how many types, but this is a good place to start. So we're looking at things like facial expression. I think that's the first thing a lot of people think about when they think about nonverbal communication. So, you know, like, for instance, the universal facial expressions across cultures for happiness, sadness, anger, fear, disgust, all those things. So, of course, what's happening on your face? It includes things like your body movement and your posture. That includes your stance, subtle movements that your body makes, different tensions of muscles that are present or not present. It includes things like gestures. And gestures are a thing that often change across cultures. And so that's always something to be very careful about, that sometimes a gesture in our culture can mean something totally different, potentially offensive or harmful in another culture as well. It talks about the okay symbol in in this article from helpguide.org. Like the okay symbol in America is something that in other cultures is like super offensive. 
Right. It's usually presented differently. Like we present the okay up above and the more offensive one is presented downward. But yeah, uh, it's okay. like the middle finger kind of a kind of a chest. Oh, geez. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It also includes things like eye contact, you know, which again is important when gauging somebody's interest in what you're talking about. Of course, it includes touch. I think there's probably been a billion business boy articles about having a better handshake or <laughs> a more confident handshake. It also includes things like space, you know, physical space, how proximal, how close or far away are you to someone when you're talking with them, as well as how do you negotiate your own physical space? How are you socialized to negotiate your own physical space? Because that's also mm. a whole other thing that comes up when we're interacting with people. And also your voice. So not necessarily what you're saying, but again, how you're saying it, the timing, the pace, how loudly you speak, your tone or your inflection. Yeah. So with all of these in mind, it is possible that you communicate super effectively and have no problems displaying exactly what you mean with your nonverbal cues. However, on the flip side, it might be possible that you're sending out maybe some confusing nonverbal cues or something that's a little bit incongruent at times, and that might be undermining your actual ability to communicate, right? Like the whole, the, the whole point of communicating, this might be working at odds with that. And this is something that's not just a universal truth of like, you always have good body language, good job. But it's very situational. It depends on a lot of factors. And so can you two think of times when you, in looking back, have realized you've sent out mixed signals in some way where you're were incongruous between some part of your verbal and nonverbal communication? And that and and what happened? What happened with that? There there's a silly insignificant audition that still haunts me to this oh, day. No. Oh, really? Oh gosh. Be because I felt like I, it was it just it threw me off. It was just it was a small audition. I don't even remember what the project was. Probably some like small indie film, you know, the audition was at Cast. Everyone who's an yes. actor in LA oh, knows Kazd. about good old Cast. And they I went and I did my read and the feedback that I got, I don't remember if it was feedback that I got in the room or if it was feedback that I got later, because that's part of the whole thing with CAST is like you get, you know, the casting director will sometimes write feedback that you can access after the fact. I don't remember when I got the feedback, but the, they commented that I had seemed nervous during the audition. Mm. And I remember that really threw me for a loop because I remember not feeling nervous at all for that audition because it was like a tiny little indie film. Uh. And not a particularly difficult read. And so I had remembered that my felt sense was like, I feel fine. And I remember even watching my audition tape because that's something you get access to as well. And seeming fine from my own perception, be like, but what did I do? What did I give off? Like, did I actually seem nervous? Like, did I give off some sort of weird incongruous cue with my body or with my tone of voice that seemed that way? Was it just the casting director misreading something or were they just trying to fish for feedback to to give and right. couldn't find something yeah. like just that person they seem nervous it was so small yeah. not like and it's still that still bothers me to this day thinking about mm. that where I was like what happened there mm. that's really interesting yeah and no I just know that I have to be very very cognizant of my my voice and not like having a resting face that's that seems super unemotional or like like I'm not happy about something or whatever. And actually, the pandemic, I think, has been super helpful with that because when I'm serving at work, 
I have on a mask and that's great because I don't have to like express with this part of my voice overtly or I'm sorry with this part of my face overtly in order to show like I'm I'm a happy human and you can trust me even though I sound like a robot or whatever I sound like <laughs> a, a low speaking robot woman um yeah so I I don't know that I've found absolutely that just people people either laugh or they think I'm a bitch or something whatever it's just how I sound and people comment on my voice every damn day and Thank you. But also, it's definitely led to a lot of heartache over the years of people being like, wow, what is wrong with you? Or, mm. yeah, and me feeling like, no, actually, this is just how I sound. I'm sorry. And right. having to work really hard in order to to show that I'm excited about something or to show that I'm a nice person or to, you know, do whatever along those lines. Even though I think you two think that I'm a nice person. But you're the, you're the well, nicest yeah, at this person. point, it's like, oh. You're the nicest person. And it's obviously, after so many years of hearing your voice, it's like, I don't even notice right. it. Exactly. But it's until, very jarring to people yeah, initially. Yeah, until other people are like, whoa. Right. And you're like, yeah, big deal. Yeah. So, yeah, that is interesting. It, 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 I think it's something for all of us to be aware of. I'm sure that we're all, we all have those moments. I don't know if you do, Jess. People just look at you and they're like, wow, what a nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, actually, it's, it's funny that you kind of mentioned that. Something that I've been noticing about myself is actually trying to resist my urge to just always make everyone comfortable all the time and to mm. not like to actually more intentionally not smile or laugh or react in like a comforting way to something that I don't like or or that I'm not feeling super positive about and I know that that's this is a very common thing a lot of people do this of that kind of like laughing or smiling when you're uncomfortable the shit eating grin right. that Stevie mm. Easton always talked about right. yeah and so for me that's just something I've kind of become aware of of trying to be a little more conscious about that even you know with even with friends and family or whoever where it's not like people comment on it right away but I do feel like it it is hopefully making a slightly more congruous experience between kind of my tone of voice and my face with also my values and, you know, what, what they know of me as a person. Because that's the other part of this, that in addition to your verbal, nonverbal, and voice, like tonal communication being congruent with each other, there's also an aspect of them being appropriate to the situation and appropriate to the individual and that's that's something that's also part of this too that like you could all be totally congruent mm -hmm. but in the situation it doesn't make any sense that can be really scary yeah and, and off-putting yeah we'll talk about yeah. that later as well absolutely but that is super important so okay just i mean we gave a lot of great examples but these are some examples from helpguide.org again of what nonverbal communication gone awry looks like so things like really intense eye contact or having a super firm handshake, even if you're like saying something sweet or kind or trying to like get a point across that may cause people to feel super intimidated by you just because of those nonverbal things that you're doing. Or, uh, yeah, this article talked about a woman who, you know, her partners kept leaving her over and over again. And, you know, this was because she had raised eyebrows or tense shoulders or super stiff body or a really shrill voice when she was around people. It caused other people to feel anxious. Wait, also so this like, is something this person figured out for themselves? It, I think that it was just some random 
I, I think that they were like giving examples of random people maybe that kind of a probably fictional story. maybe didn't necessarily yeah maybe didn't even exist. Okay. They were just like Karen has a <laughs> okay. boyfriend, but he left her because she has a shrill voice and a stiff body, and he felt anxious. <laughs> I know. Okay. Well, already red flags by the fact that they use the word shrill. But yes, I, I agree with you. Side. I agree with you. But another one that they talked about was a guy who just constantly interrupted or had a lack of eye contact or he put his hands in his pockets all the time or stared out the window. And, you know, when a boss was trying to explain something to him, it made him feel like he was being ignored or like this person wasn't interested in them or whatever, even though maybe that guy was just like trying to think about is the next thing that he's going to yep. say or whatever. There's so many different reasons why people have the nonverbal communication that they do. I do feel like this is probably a good opportunity to drop in a caveat around all of this and all the stuff that we're talking about that if you're not neurotypical, this yes. can be very, very different. You know, the nonverbal cues that you give can look very, very different. And also what you pick up from nonverbal cues can be very different. And that's so a really good that's, point. that's the kind of thing of like, that's awareness for yourself or awareness if you have a partner who's who's neurodivergent in some way to, it doesn't mean that like none of this applies. It Often it just means that there's almost like a different language that mm-hmm. you become accustomed to and different cues that you do pick up on or different ways that you do communicate. So, so yeah, just to bear that in mind for everybody listening. And being aware of that is a great example of a place where metacommunication, one of our favorite things, mm. can really apply to. That, that if you know these things about yourself, if you become aware that, that these messages might be coming across by communicating more directly with people about those facts about yourself could potentially be a really empowering way of communicating. Like with your partner, for example, if, you know, we've talked about this before where I had a conflict growing up with my stepdad because when I'm listening to someone, I tend to not look at them because it actually makes it harder for me to Mm. pay attention to them. And for him, that showed him I wasn't listening to him. And unfortunately, at the time, I didn't have the meta-communication tools to have that conversation with him and to try to reach some kind of understanding about it. But that is something I'm more aware of about myself now, and that if that comes up, I'm able to sort of identify and communicate about that more meta-ly. Let's talk about some actionable tools for improving our nonverbal communication skills. So first thing is awareness of the different ways that nonverbal communication can function in conversation. So a nonverbal cue could function for repetition as in it's going to repeat or it's going to strengthen what your verbal message is. Or it could contradict it, like we've been talking about. It could create some incongruency where the nonverbal cues you give are contradicting your words, which could potentially create mistrust. They could serve as a substitution, as in they could substitute for a verbal message. I think this is like the sex example, right? That instead of telling my partner, oh, that feels really good, Maybe I just give a nonverbal cue in the way that I move my body or vocalize a in grunt. a particular way. Grunt. Yes, or grunt, Ugh. as Emily says. <laughs> 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 I will try that one out next time and let you know how it goes. <laughs> it goes great, okay? <laughs> oh, you have experience and you know. I mean, essentially. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We um, your nonverbal cues could complement what you're saying, or they could accent as an underlie the verbal message that you're trying to give. So have an awareness of these are kind of the different functions that could be at play. Yeah. So here's some, some things that you can try out if you want to improve your nonverbal communication game. 
Number one is to just try to improve your emotional intelligence skills. So having emotional intelligence or, or maybe even just emotional awareness might be another way to say that can help you to be able to decipher what another person is going through at the moment, as well as to better interpret the unspoken information that they are sending out and that that can allow you to have more caring and compassion for people who might be giving off negative or, or upsetting vibes. And in on the one hand, to not take that so personally, but on the other can help your responses to be more appropriate and in tune with that situation. Kind of like we were talking about before, not just congruent with yourself, but also with the situation and with the person that you're talking to. So it can help you better plan and to navigate your own nonverbal communication to help put people at ease and develop trust in, in what you're saying in a sense that you're also aware of them and not just tuned into your own things. You can also improve your listening skills. So people tend to gravitate towards those who are actively listening and demonstrating an interest in what they're saying and what they're communicating. So that can mean asking questions for clarification instead of just sitting there trying to think about what you're going to say while the other person is talking or trying to guess at what the other person is trying to convey. You know, like just trying to guess your way through it that if you're noticing a weird incongruency in their nonverbal communication or if there's particular things that you think you're picking up from it, it's always, always safer to find ways to clarify that instead of assuming. And then, yeah, we've talked about this a bit already, but matching your nonverbal communication to the situation that you're in because it's potentially going to be different based on who you're with, what you're doing at that particular moment. Like if you're going on a, ver a first date with someone that you don't know or you're at an interview with someone that you don't know versus going out with friends or a group of people that you really do know, your nonverbal communication is going to be very different based off of each of those situations that you're in. So it's important to try to read the situation, use the appropriate nonverbal cues in that moment, and then you can really hopefully get across what you're trying to communicate. So even if it worked really well for you in your avatar chatting app at your job interview, <laughs> maybe don't touch their face while you're talking to them because that might yeah. not be appropriate. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, that's important. But Definitely. what if it, yeah, in the in the virtual space though, does that change what counts as appropriate or not for nonverbal communication? That's a very that good question. You can do a whole a very study good like question. in Second Life about nonverbal <laughs> communication and what's appropriate in situations or something. That'd be interesting. Because okay, because that's the thing. <laughs> that's the thing with the study. As soon as I heard like okay, they give you all these options for interacting, and I think about online spaces or MMOs or Second <laughs> right. Life where it's like people are just going to run in and like click all the buttons and just like dance in front of you and like kiss, 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 kiss. You know, I'm like, that's the way. <laughs> kiss, 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 kiss. Yeah, like, I don't know if I want to unequip all of their clothes. Kiss, touch, touch, touch. Kiss, 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 touch, touch, touch. Kiss, kiss, just unequip all clothes. Touch, 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 run around in a circle. Yeah, I don't know if I want that with somebody that I just met. That seems a little scary. Yikes. Yeah. I Alrighty. Well... How do you get better at understanding the nonverbal communication of other people? Yeah, so we suggest you can pay attention to the inconsistencies. You know, is the person saying one thing, but their body language is conveying something else? Just see if that's telling you something or if that's something that you notice. You can also look at nonverbal communication signals as a group, not just zeroing in on a single gesture of like, oh, they broke eye contact and that must mean this one thing. Consider everything that's going on of what you're receiving. 
And also, you know, trust your instincts. If you're noticing something, if you're getting a gut feeling, maybe you're sensing that someone isn't being honest, something isn't adding up, you may be picking up on some kind of mismatch. And it is okay to also clarify that and ask questions as well. Yeah, that just reminded me of this funny story I heard. I think it was during some kind of a TED Talk with this woman who was an expert on body language. Like That was her area of study. And she told the story about either being on a date with a guy or something where she sat down and crossed her legs. And his comment was like, oh, like we just sat down. You're shutting me out already because you crossed your legs. And that because why? Because he's like because he heard in the somewhere, whole he heard somewhere and, that crossing yes. your legs was a body language signal that means you're like putting a barrier between yourself and the other person or whatever. And she was just like, "Well, clearly you actually don't know that much about nonverbal communication." Let me tell you, and kind of because that's her area, and she just like went into how that's so wrong. And so that's something I, I think is worth thinking about with huh. all of this. That this comes up a lot in like pickup artisty kind of stuff too of like teaching like oh this cue means good things and this one means bad things but it's like you you got to take in the whole picture and the context and understand that there's also 99% of what's going on with that other person has nothing to do with you so that's another important yeah. factor is to not take it personally and if you're getting some of this like more distancing or inconsistent body language, say from from a coworker or or just someone that you've met at a party or something like that, there's a really good chance that has nothing to do with you. But in either case, the solution is not to like push through that, but to just be like, okay, let's just I'm gonna move on and go do some other stuff or talk to someone else. And to to not be like, oh, I've got to get past this somehow. So some things to think about like kind of areas to to look at, things to think about as you're going, is first thing is eye contact. So just is the person making eye contact? If so, is it too much eye contact? Is it just right? Are they looking away at something because it's distracting or because they're thinking about that thing? Maybe there's a TV behind you and it's just really hard to pay attention to you because there's a TV moving behind you, which is <laughs> the worst. Hate that. Next thing is facial expressions. What is their face showing? Is it, you know, mask-like and blank? Are they wearing a mask? Is it hard to see what their expression is? Might be, given the current <laughs> circumstances. Yeah, a lot of very mask-like expressions yeah, going on yeah. right now. Literally yeah. mask-like. Yeah. The most mask-like they could be. You know, or is it emotionally present? Is it filled with interest? Is it, I think, some, some ones that are easy to mix up for people sometimes is the difference between... Su surprise in a delighted way and surprise in a, a little bit freaked out kind of way that those are sometimes hard to tell apart and just to kind of be aware that you can't just jump to the conclusion of like ah they rose their raised their eyebrows that must mean they like that thing that's not necessarily true so just again clarifying is better than not tone of voice does this person's voice sound warm is it confident does it seem interested does it seem nervous is it more strained or blocked and again probably has very little to do with you and a lot more to do with other things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and posture and gesture. Personally. Is their body relaxed? Is it stiff? You know, all tensed up? Are their shoulders tense and raised? Do they seem relaxed? Are they kind of moving away from you, I said? We, I don't know if we quite cover this in these, but, you know, if they're kind of taking steps back, it might mean they want more personal space. Are they kind of turning away? It might mm. mean they've got somewhere else they need to be, but they don't want to be rude. So maybe you could give them the out to let them do that. 
you know, just just kind of be aware of these things. And again, no one thing is going to tell you all the answers you need. And the shows where people do that are just untrue. No one can do that, even the experts. But they give you clues. They give you little pieces of information. Also, things like touch. Is there physical contact? And is that physical contact appropriate in the like situation? Like touching at the job interview? <laughs> Yeah. Or I mean, I'm sorry. If I'm serving you, please don't mm, touch me. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Do people do oh, that? Yeah. Do people touch yes. you? I see yes. it. No. I see oh, yeah. it all the time. Yeah. yeah. It's real no. rough. I'm like, I'm like, do not, please. That's personal space, too. Um, intensity. So, oh, gosh, this is a big one for me, too. I just, again, just because of how I sound, I sound really intense. Mm. Does this person seem flat or you know, disinterested or super melodramatic or over the top, something along those lines. Uh, timing and pace. So is there a really easy flow of information that's going back and forth? Do nonverbal responses come too quickly or too slowly? And then sound. So, yeah, we talked about this in a sexual setting, but also any other sounds that might indicate interest or caring or concern. Or, yeah, I mean... This happens on the daily all the time, which is a podcast with Michael Barbaro. He always has like nonverbal sounds or verbal sounds that are just kind of like grunts or, mm, hmm, yeah. or whatever to yeah show how interested he is in whatever the person that he's talking to is talking about. Yeah. So it's kind of fun. All right. Well, that was a lot. There's a lot to talk about on nonverbal communication. And essentially, just all of this, what it boils down to, it's important to recognize that, you know, you have nonverbal communication cues that you're sending out into the world, and then other people are sending some back to you. And it can be helpful to be able to know how to identify them. It can give you a fuller picture of what another person's trying to say, and hopefully increase some understanding between two people if they're in conflict maybe aid in listening skills, uh, boost curiosity about the people that you're having conversations with, all of those things. It's important to be thinking about them, but they're not like the end-all, do-all of communication. I think, like Jace said, having metacommunication, especially if, you know, like Jace, he doesn't necessarily like to look at people when they're telling him something because he's trying to listen to them, and that's just like an idiosyncratic thing that he does. So it's important to keep that in mind. And... Have empathy, which is something that we're going to be talking about in our bonus episode. Um, Not just empathy, like being an empathic person, but also an acronym, which is a tool to enhance nonverbal communication between clinicians and their patients. We're going to talk about that in the bonus episode. So the Instagram poll for this week is going to be, do actions in nonverbal communication speak louder than words? It's kind of like an out there one, but I'm interested to see what y'all think. So, the best place to share your thoughts with other listeners is on this episode's discussion thread in our private Facebook group or Discord chat. You can get access to these groups and join our exclusive community by going to patreon.com slash multiamory. In addition, you can share with us publicly on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Multiamory is created and produced by Jace Lindgren, Dedeker Winston, and me, Emily Matlack. Our episodes are edited by Mauricio Balvinetta. Our social media wizard is Will McMillan. Our production assistants are Rachel Shenowark and Carson Collins. This episode was researched by Dr. Kiana Nurse. Our theme song is Forms I Know I Did by Josh and Onan from the Fractal Cave EP. The full transcript is available on this episode's page on multiamory.com.